The point of this is to provide the best facts-driven show that we possibly can. Ideally, you have a glue guy who is good. Hashtag glue guy, hashtag locker room guy. You can't go sign Bobby Holy to a trillion dollars. You can't do these things. Very satisfying. The absolute best NYR show in town. This is the Liberty Blue. Liberty Blue. Rangers Podcast. Rangers Podcast. With Andrew Shelby. Andrew Shelby. And Nick Zararis. Zararis. Rangers fans, welcome to the best Rangers podcast in town. I am Andrew Chelney alongside Nick Zararis, and we are Liberty Blue. We scream about the New York Rangers so that you can save your voice. That's how deeply we care about you, and we appreciate that you've joined us for the ride. This is episode 18, recording just a little bit earlier this Monday, as Nick will be full sprinting to Yankees Stadium to watch the Yankees hopefully win game five against the Guardians as soon as we are done recording this episode. We'll put the full video up on our YouTube, Liberty Blue Podcast, and the audio version will be available as a audio version wherever you get your podcast as well. Search Liberty Blue and it should appear at Liberty Blue Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, by the way, give the show that illustrious five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Those reviews help us more than you think. It's very important to us, so please, if you can, if you like the show, please support the show that way as well. I am at Chelney Andrew, C-H-E-L-N-E-Y Andrew, and that is Nick Zararis, Nick Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Those are our personal Twitter handles to follow as well. Nick, we have... We have hockey to talk about. We are three games into the season. The Rangers have won two of them. Your opening thoughts? We have hockey. We we, we did a hockey show for four months without any hockey, and That's we're right. actually we actually have things to talk about that aren't hypothetical. There was actual hockey played over the course of last week. I don't know who made the schedule. The schedule doesn't make a lot of sense. Why no teams in the NHL played yesterday? You have thirty-two teams in your league, and there wasn't a single game on a, a, a day of the week. Because I mean, of I, we football, know, Nick. Football. Then why are the Rangers playing at two o'clock on Sundays? In because October, football, November? Nick. Because of football. I don't know. It, it, the NHL schedule makers not seeing yeah. the pearly gates, but we'll start with <laughs> we'll start with the exciting part here. There was real hockey. I know who I know who makes the schedule. By the way, they're nice people. But uh, I I have to I have to text them later about why why there's no that why there are no games yesterday. But yeah, they're 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 cool people except for questioning decisions sometimes so there was real hockey and the rangers looked pretty good for i would say six seven of the nine periods of hockey they've played so far so that's a good start you saw what you wanted to see you saw the kid line get broken up because kratzov got hurt in the first game had to kind of reallocate the minutes so you had skill guys a little more dispersed throughout your lineup but kako and lafreniere looked Good to go in the top six. They both look fine. Trocek has settled in fine. The power play looks pretty just about as good as it was last year. It sounds crazy to say, but I got nothing to complain about at the moment, Andrew. Yeah, and the the the, the one loss, when you play three games in four nights, especially yeah. when your first game is at home and then you go on a road trip, Minnesota, to Winnipeg, it's a, that's a long, that's a lot of miles traveled. And yeah. They didn't look bad either in Winnipeg. Hellepuck played very well. Halak 
played well as well. I think yeah. I, t- I tweeted this out as well that I watching Halak play on Friday, I had a lot more confidence in him to make the next save as opposed to watching Georgiev. And it, th- that's just the fact of the matter is, is that like I, as of right now, I have more faith in Yaro Halak as a backup goalie. He's he was a starter at points of his career. He played very well in Long Island and in, in, in other places as well. He, he has earned at least my respect to this point of the season. We'll see how he plays later on. But as of right now, I have confidence in him as the number two goalie whenever Igor needs a night off because he can't play Igor every night. Otherwise, you see what happened with Jack Campbell in Toronto and other goalies where they just break down Jacob Markstrom as well. If you play goalie every single night, they, by the playoffs, are just going to blank the bet. So with with them, yeah, with Winnipeg, like... You can't win them all. You can't go 82-0. They still didn't look that bad either. It's not like they were got absolutely dumpstered and Winnipeg just gave circles around them. Like They were competitive despite th- that being their, their third game in four nights and despite this being the start of the season where they're you know not on full, you know, they're not full force yet. So, well, good. That's one of those games where the final score is kind of misleading. I know a lot of people who probably didn't see the game see four to one and think, oh, third game in four nights, like Andrew was saying, kind of tired, not great. They were in that game. I mean, I was looking through my notes the other day because I was home on Friday, so I was able to really watch the game. I mean, they outshot them 21 to 7 in the second period. If it wasn't for Hellebuck, if that was a normal goalie, that's probably a 2 to 1 Rangers lead going into the third period. And the dichotomy of the game is a little bit different. But that's those are the types of things where we where a lot of people on social media, especially, will be like, well, you got to watch the games. The box score doesn't tell you everything. The stats don't tell you everything. The Rangers played really well in that game, but when you're down a goal late in a game, you're going to start being more aggressive. That's going to leave you more prone defensively to giving up more, which is what ended up happening. Losing 4-1, to it's fine. You're going to have games. It's an 82-game season. Like Andrew said, you're not going to be able to win them all. So where do you want to start? Because we start – Big picture, we could talk a little bit more micro. Where do you want to start, Andrew? I think just to go back to the first couple of games really quickly, you you play against Tampa Bay Lightning, this, this, the, who historically, I want to say, don't have the, the greatest of starts, but they end uh, clearly, especially recently, yes. very well. So you, you take a look at how they play in that game one. They kind of dominated for parts yes. of that game, especially later on as the game went on. Tampa Bay just didn't look set. They didn't look like the Tampa Bay Lightning that we saw during the playoffs. They they, they look like a team that are still kind of feeling the effects of the long playoff runs that they've been on over the last few seasons and are and are still trying to, to get back to that shape that they were in. So it, it was a great win. And then you go to Minnesota. Well, for a real quick before we get to before we get to Minnesota, Kravtsov gets hurt, and immediately the the anti Euro people on Twitter come out in full force that he's soft, that he's that he can't play in the NHL. Dude, my guy got destroyed along the boards, like he got smashed in, a lo- like by I think it was Victor Hedman. Like it's, this yes, is that's a he, big man. He wasn't that's- just you know he wasn't like bumped and it just instantly fell the ice. My guy was dismantled across the boards. Like if you if you're one of those people that are like, all right, Kraft's off is too soft. He can't play. He can't he can't play the NHL level. Look at him. He's too broken. Go touch Kraft. I pr- please like the, the 
please go touch grass. Like you don't know what you're watching and you're hating just because you're you're hating just to just to want to hate Kravtsov. Like if that was anybody else, you would have been like, oh yeah, you know, that makes sense. He's not playing. He's clearly injured because it's Kravtsov. Everybody's like, well, the, the anti-Euro people are just like, oh, he's too soft. He can't play. Dude, go touch grass, please. I pr- I beg of you. So you mentioned the game against Tampa and then against the game against Minnesota was very silly. It was very up and down. It was very back and forth. There were a lot of crazy goals. Kako had the crazy goal. Matt Boldy had the crazy goal where both just went through the entire, the entirety of the other team. Uh, to your point, when we did the central division preview, Marc-Andre Fleury has not looked good through two no. games for Minnesota. Um, they're starting Gustafson tonight, which I found interesting in, cause I have Fleury in fantasy. That's the only reason I know that, but to start, This is pretty good. We saw a better version of the way the Rangers want to play, which is where we can start talking about the the stylistic things. Because last year, you saw what the Rangers wanted to be. They wanted to be an up-tempo transition team, get the puck out of the zone quickly, get it to the forwards, and create that chance that's going to come from a pass across the seam. That's their bread and butter. They like the high leverage play. They like the aggressive play. They're trying to create as valuable a scoring chance as possible as opposed to as many scoring chances as possible. On most nights, the Rangers are going to concede more scoring chances than they create in terms of just total chances because they want the other team to take bad shots. You saw it a lot against Minnesota, the defenseman clearing out of the way, letting Shesterkin get a clean line on it. You let Igor take that shot 35 feet away. Igor sees it the whole way. He should have it. That's a a reasonable strategy that works, and we've seen teams, the Islanders, the two years they went to the conference final, they had this down to a science. You let the other team shoot from 40 feet away the entire game, that's fine. We're going to go the other way with speed, with tempo, with all the high-end guys the Rangers have, on the wings especially. There's plenty of opportunity for that, and we really saw it well against Tampa. We saw it really well against Minnesota. Winnipeg, it took them a period, but that's tired legs. First period, they were kind of slow out of the gate, but really good second period. Third period, they kind of had to chase the game, so it got away from them. But tempo, the defense still leaves a little bit to be desired, but it looked tighter than it did the first month of last season. That's all I'm asking for. It's very early in the season. Show me clear progress from what you were last year, and I won't complain. And so far, so good in that regard. You see clear progress. One of the things that is very important to look at is Steven Malaket does a really good job with this because he really lays out the types of chances that the other t- the, yeah. each team gets in a game. High danger, medium danger, and low danger, and how many of each each team got and how and how many of those chances ended up in goals. That to me is way more important, is infinitely more important than how many shots you put up on net. Because if you take a shot from the blue line that's just like a dump-in, that counts as a shot on goal because it was on goal, that to me, that like that's just a number. What matters is what kind of shots are you putting up on net? Because if, if the other, let's say in an hypothetical here, if you're playing a team and they put up 50 shots on goal and you put up 10, but eight of your 10 shots were cross crease passes and they were just wild, you know, and five of them went in and the other team had 50 shots, but they were all low danger from the blue line or shots the goalie saw all the way and they put up one. Well, you think, oh, well, they just got NHL where like the other team put up a million shots. They couldn't score. Ice and- tilt is real. Ice tilt, yeah, all all those things. But if you take a look at the kind of shots each team took, you'll realize that while the team with 10 shots didn't take a lot of garbage shots, 
those 10 shots, most of them had a great opportunity to go in the net. So shots on goal are, are cool and all. And it's a, it's a cool number to see. And if teams uh, and broadcasts could have the shot co- counter on every That's broadcast, cool. that yeah. would be very cool. Please and thank you. But ultimately, what, what really matters is, okay, you put shots on goal, but how likely are they to be going into the net in the first place. And if they're, if the other team that's playing the Rangers who wants to take a million shots from the blue line or just shots that Shesterkin or Halak can see, by all means, go crazy. You want to take those shots all day long, we'll give them to you. The, the, the fact of the matter is the Rangers need to do a, a good job of protecting those higher danger chances, and so far they've been able to do that. That's encouraging to see, especially and especially with a third pair that's still kind of trying to find their legs under them. You can tell Schneider Hayek played on Friday. Look at uh, that. Yeah, I mean, that's just stubbornness of a ooh, Winnipeg is a big and physical team. Yeah. We need to have a bigger defenseman because Zach Jones is like five ten as opposed to six foot one. Sure, but Hayek, really, Hayek, Hayek, tall. Yes, that, that's that, that correct. Hayek correct. tall. He's tall. That's the yeah. that's the synopsis of why he's still <laughs> on this team. He's yep. tall, and and they think he has a little bit of defensive upside that we've yet to see. No. Um, in terms of the defense, and this is something that they transitioned from, because two years ago, the last year under David Quinn, they were a straight-up zone team. But Gallant came in. They play a little bit more. They play a man above the circles and a zone below the circles where if the puck goes below the circles, a second person's going to come over. They're going to overload the side, trying to generate a turnover. And that's something that requires really good communication. You, If you're going to overload a side, that means somebody's going to be left open and you're going to have to tra- cover over. And that's where we've seen the Truba-Miller pair have trouble at times is that communication because they will be in the same exact spot or the second goal, I believe Winnipeg scored on Friday night where it was a tap in. I think it was the Sam Gagne goal where Truba was somewhere close to the point because he was trying to play the pressure of the person who had the puck at the point, but the puck had already gotten down low and there was just no coverage there. Sam Gagne, Sam Gagne, who's still in the league remarkably. Yeah. And I found out the other day, his chosen goal song is Mr. Brightside, which tells you how old Sam Gagne is, but <laughs> <laughs> that's one of my favorite things in sports is when you realize guys are like a little bit older than you and you think about when a song came out in their life and why they still use it like sam gagner is like 34 35 years old at this point that song came out when he was in like high school and he's like this is the best song i've ever heard this is the best <laughs> song i've ever heard it's a banger it is oh it absolutely is you're in Winnipeg, where it's 18,500 white people, you are going to have a nuts <laughs> arena for the nine goals Sam Gagne scores. This That's year. right. The The thing about the Rangers and their, their play style so far is at least through these three games, they haven't been getting destroyed at five on five like they have been in previous years. By the way, speaking of David Quinn, William Eklund <laughs> in the AHL for reasons because of David Quinn and... Uh, yeah, uh, that's it's funny because he got hired be- only because of the college connection and not because he's a good coach in the NHL. I think that's tremendous. I think that's hilarious. And for San Jose fans, I feel bad for you. But for everybody else, it's phenomenal content because he couldn't coach the Rangers and he got hired in San Jose because they went to the same college. So 
I, I think that's exceptional uh, hiring prowess by San Jose, but that's beside the point. Like for for the New York Rangers, a, lo- a big part of their, their their concerns the last few years is they are great on the power play and they are a, a dumpster fire at five on five. Through these three games, that hasn't been the case. Their power plays looked really good, and five on five, they looked much more formidable than they have been in previous years. Teams aren't skating circles around them, and they're not hoping Shesterkin can make 75 saves a night just so they can win a hockey game. Shesterkin has had to make some some big saves for sure, but it hasn't been to the level that we've seen in previous years where the defense is waltzing down Central Park for some reason while the other team has nine chances in front of him and he's to stop all of them to prevent the Rangers from losing the game. Like We haven't seen that so far, and that's that's promising. Hopefully that could continue throughout the season. This show, as the season progresses, every time David Quinn gets brought up, it's just going to be inside the NBA where I'm just going to start be, uh, being unable to control how hard I'm <laughs> laughing. That dude is a f- bozo. That dude is an absolute bozo. I mean, uh, what's Dean Everson doing with Marco Rossi? Why is Marco Rossi not playing? I don't know. What, what are we doing? These are some of the best prospects of the last five years, and they're just not playing because reasons. The, the, like one the Sharks thing, have nothing yeah. to play for. Yeah. The Sharks I, literally have nothing to play for. The Sharks are 0-4, I, I think, right, to start the season. Are. It's just like, I don't understand the, uh, the, the thought process from a lot of coaches <laughs> and management in the NHL where you'd where they would rather play an old guy who is bad as opposed to a younger guy who might be bad. The the point of, especially in, in rebuilding teams, is to really get young guys into the lineup so they can get those growing pains out of the way in seasons where the expectation is at the is on the floor. Where for the San Jose Sharks, the expectation coming into the season was they're gonna be bad. So if they're not bad, that's already icing on the cake of a year that you know, like they, there's zero ex- expectations to make the playoffs, to, to win around the playoffs, to be close to the playoffs. This is clearly a rebuilding team that is going that I think at least I mean, they have Carlson. They have Vlasic for another million years because they can't trade that contract. But for the most part, these are younger guys that, that, that and the goaltending is bad. The, like there's just a lot of holes on that team. So they're not making the playoffs. If you're still not playing one of the best prospects you have because of reasons that might be a coaching issue. I just, you know, I, I'm not a head coach in the NHL, so I don't, I'm just, I'm just saying, but maybe play the guy and hit, let him figure it out instead of toiling away the miners. I don't get it. Okay. So two points here on this topic and we can, I'll, I have a way of circling this back to the Rangers. So I got you. So, First of all, you're never going to believe this, but a David Quinn team has very bad advanced statistics. They are dead oh, last. Oh, no way. Dead last in chances against, which is a... The Rangers were dead last in David Quinn's three-year period of all 31 teams, because there were only 31 then, in the NHL in terms of scoring chances against. The Rangers conceded more scoring chances than any team in hockey over the course of three seasons. That... That is just stupefyingly impossible considering there wasn't awful defense. Like uh, there were that was not the worst defense in the league talent-wise. And to bring this back to the Rangers, statistics are useful the larger sample size you have. Three games, four games. You can't start drawing any conclusions till you get a 10 to 15 game sample. And even that is not a lot. Ideally, you'd have a million game sample because then sure. you would have a 
long sustainable pattern to understand things. That's why I'm not really looking too much into anything right now. I did my cursory looking overs of all the different Patri hockey statistic Patreons this morning just to kind of get a feel where everyone was at. But then again, I reminded myself, you can't have any real takeaways after three games, especially considering, you know, three games in four nights. Yeah, the playing three straight home openers, which that's another weird thing yeah. that happened to the Rangers for whatever reason. But take everything with a grain of salt for now. But it's encouraging that there is a plan here. It seems that they've realized that the guys they drafted first and second overall are good at hockey, Andrew, and they're going to get an opportunity to play more than just 13 minutes a night, which is important. And yes, you would ideally like to have an, a third line with more upside than just Filipino dragging two bottom six forwards around with him. But as long as they're OK defensively, which they've been so far. You can live with that. If nothing happens when the third line is on the ice and the fourth line is close to even at even strength and the top six is going to be this good, I mean, that's that's a strategy that'll work in the regular season. In the playoffs, that's not going to work. You're going to need that secondary scoring. But most nights, if the forwards are going to play the way they've played so far, I mean, Lafreniere has been outstanding since Kraftsov got hurt and he got placed up there. Kako's been great. Kako looks like a different hockey player. He really came in looking good. I was talking with, I think it was Josh the other day, about how much better of a skater Kako looks in transition where he's getting up to full speed when he has the puck in the neutral zone in two or three strides as opposed to four or five, and that makes a real difference. They've been better in transition. It's easier to generate offense when you get the puck to offense. Again, that, that sounds obvious, but for a lot of the last two years, the Rangers have been very content to just bang the puck off the glass out of their own zone and live to fight for the next possession. Now the Rangers are crawling, they're walking, and they're running. They're not just trying to go from crawling to running. It's very important for a team that has expectations beyond just making the playoffs of establishing dominance on yes. on the offensive end not just early but continued sustained pressure throughout the game if you every time you you have the puck in your own zone you just dump it out you, you try to dump it into their own into the other zone and then just try to come back as much as possible to prevent you know just playing turtle hockey you're not going to get a whole lot done on offense if you put the the pedal to the metal here and you take the puck you take it the other way and you put pressure on the other team and you continue that pressure sustained throughout the entire game eventually you are going to wear that team down they are going to make mistakes in the, in the defensive zone and you are going to find more holes the more pressure you put on teams it's obviously easier said than done but through these three games the rangers have at least given me a little bit of hope that they can do that because in recent years, they haven't done that at all. It's been a lot of like, oh, we're scared, we're scared, we're scared to make a mistake. We're just going to hopefully prevent teams from scoring and we can maybe take advantage of one mistake and try to score that way. As opposed to now, at least, again, three game sample size, we'll see how it goes. But so far, it's been a, it's been a, a much more uh, offensively minded team of we're not just going to dump the puck out whenever we can. It's we're going to have the puck and we're going to do whatever we can to score. And we're going to keep that pressure on until we do. And this, this is another thing that sounds very obvious, but I don't know if you know this, Andrew, but if you're playing offense, you don't have to play defense. That's right. If you're in the offensive zone, the other team can't score in from your own zone, unless you have flurry in a playoff game playing, but that's different. That, that's a different, <laughs> that's a different story. But I, again, it, 
the less responsibility you put on this defense, the better. You have enough high-end talent here. And this goes to something we're going to talk about with the power play in a minute, But and you said it before, sustained offensive zone time. It's not just one scoring chance, the other team has it, and they're back the other way. It's pucks in, shot, rebound, recovery, work the puck, work the cycle. That's something I'd like to see more of from the fourth line, who they're not going to score a ton, whatever um, configuration of the fourth line they have. But as long as the puck's below the other goal line and it's just a forecheck and a grind along the boards, that's fine. If nothing happens when Ryan Reeves is on the ice in either direction, right. you take that trade off 100 times out of 100. If nothing is going on, that is ideal for you when you have a fourth line that's set up like this. The thing about offense is when you have the puck on your stick, you don't throw hits. Yes. I think that's one thing that pe- that a lot of people kind of don't think about when they look at hit statistics where some guy, when, when somebody, somebody like Ryan Reeves or whoever it is on another team that, that hits a lot, that means that, that whenever they are on the ice, they do not have the puck on their own stick. Why? Because if your own team has the puck and they control the puck, and if you hit somebody, that's interference. And you're going to the box for a penalty, and you don't want to do that. So if, if a player such as Ryan Reeves, you take a look at his his stats, and you say, oh, this, this, dude, this dude has... A thousand hits. Look at him. He's doing so many things. It's like, yeah, well, that's because his team doesn't have the puck when he's on the ice. So he tries to hit people to try to get the puck back. Clearly, it's not working because he just keeps hitting people. So like, if 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 somebody continues to rack up the hits, it's not like they're hitting people as you as the Rangers have possession of the puck. Like Ryan Reeves ain't hit ain't, ain't trying to you know hit somebody as. Adam Fox is shooting a puck from the from the blue, you know, and the offensive zone. Like it, it's not happening. So Ryan Reeves has 200 hits, 300 hits, whatever. That just means that you don't got the puck on a stick. Maybe maybe hits don't matter, or, or they do. But the number of like if, if, you need a Ryan Reeves because he he hits people. Okay. Okay. You know so what? The, okay. The way there's an interesting point I can make here off of what you just said. So this is one of the main topics we have when it comes to face-offs is how much the face-offs actually matter, how much the face-offs impact the outcome of the game. It's not that the face-offs as a whole matter. It's certain ones that matter. It's an offensive zone face-off on the power play. It's a penalty kill face-off in the defensive zone. It's the same thing with a hit. A hit has value. Sometimes you need to get the puck back and you got to find it. But not all hits are the same. So that's another point in there you can take in there. So – One thing we can touch on here about controlling flow of play, the power play is just through three games. I mean, they've held the puck in the offensive zone, basically 90, 90 seconds of the two minutes, not even like they've had control of the puck. They've been in the offensive zone for 90 seconds of the two minutes. And I've read a few different threads about this. I read something in the athletic about it, about how they've changed the configuration a little bit. And they have Trocek playing that weird floater spot where he's kind of in where like a four would be in basketball, where he's floating around trying to draw people to him. And to the eye, and I tweeted this and I had nine people tell me I was an idiot. It just looks stupid to have a guy standing in the middle of the slot with three people around him because he's not going to be able to shoot from there. It's just taking up space, but it does look like stupid visually, but schematically, 
and drawing those people further up the ice, when Trocek is floating backwards towards the blue line, he's bringing the defenders towards him. He's bringing the penalty killers towards him. And that's going to open up the cross-team pass that we know Panarin loves to throw to Zabinijad. And when you have someone of Trocek's ability who, ideally, Trocek would be doing the Kreider thing, net front, tip the net, rebounds, that kind of thing, because Trocek's really good at that. But they found a way to use him in an interesting way. And they got two guys who, in an ideal world, will be over 50% on faceoffs with Zabinijad and Trocek. And we were just talking about faceoffs that are more important. Those power play faceoffs are important because you can establish possession, you get your guys in position, and when you have a power play like this that's probably going to flirt with 24 25% conversion rate, every one of those faceoffs is a chance to score a goal when you have a power play this good. And they have the personnel. Ideally, you would like to see the second power play get into some kind of rhythm that isn't the other team getting a scoring chance. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, to be honest with you, because they just don't get on the ice enough. Yeah. But the power play looks like it's going to be just as good as it was last year. Shots, hits, and face-offs all have the same characteristic of yes. they are important, but the number doesn't matter. It's what, it's what kind of shots, hits, and face-offs are, are one hit and shot throughout the game that are important. I would much rather some Ryan Reeves have four hits that have taken the puck away from the other team and have gotten it to the Rangers so they can have an offensive chance as opposed to him having nine, but none of those resulted in the Rangers having the puck on their stick. So the same thing with faceoffs. Like if you're going to win three faceoffs the whole night, it better be one in the defensive zone, you know, when you're shorthanded or in the offensive zone, when you're down a goal and you need one and you need possession of the puck in the offensive zone. Like those are really important. If you lose a neutral zone faceoff, that's whatever. Like I would rather you win the faceoff. Sure. But if, if you, if you, lose them i'd rather you lose them there as opposed to in 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 more critical situations so for the rangers like that is one thing to keep in mind when you either look at the stats or or see a big hit like ryan reeves loves to have these big hits and the crowd loves them and they're all great but does the puck as a result of that hit get onto the ranger stick as a result of winning a faceoff what kind of chance does that create for the off, you know, for the Rangers in the offensive zone? What does that, what, do, what happens after one of these events take place? You can shoot the puck at the, at, you know, at whoever they're playing and have it be a shot on goal, but does it go in? Is there a high percentage chance it goes in? Does that create a rebound for somebody to put the puck in the net? What happens after that? It's really important to remember, okay, you know, these are the stats, sure, but how does that impact what happens directly after that? It's important to keep the to keep the context as you read the stats and as you watch the game. So we might have to get a math teacher on here to explain some some principles of elementary statistics to in a way that because I can kind of explain how this works. But just for the purposes, I might send an email to one of my high school math teachers to explain just <laughs> how standard deviations work, how data collection works, sample sizes, things like that. Because when you think about what we've been talking about, possession, all this stuff, this is all probability. This is all based on probability principles where the more of something that happens, the more likely it is eventually you'll get the result you want. The reason you want to have more dangerous scoring chances than the other team is that eventually one of those is going to result in a goal. Over the course of a long sample, the more of a specific outcome you get, the more likely you are to get something to happen. That's why 
you harp on things like quality of scoring chance, where the scoring chance is coming from, the types of save your goalie has to make. It's not that we're saying this is what's going to happen. We're saying that this is what's likely to happen based on what's already occurred. All of these stats are, um, I forget, they're not predictive. They're, they're not going to definitely tell you what's going to happen. That That's fortune teller things. We we do not have the capability of doing that yet. Right. But we just, we just on, play fortune tellers on TV. Not even. We're not well, guessing. I'm not telling you what's going to happen. Did you sure. know how many is the? Do you know how many qualifiers and disclaimers we had during our season previews in each episode, Andrew? This isn't what's going to happen. But I think this is well. This could happen. Do you want to play fortune teller here for a second? Because on okay. this day, I think it was a few years ago. I have to I have to pull up the tweet. Oh yes, but, I do know. I Mike Mike Camito put out a tweet earlier today. Let me let me do some. This is bad radio here for a second. He put out on this day in 2016. Jimmy Vc scored his first NHL yep. goal. This was against the San Jose Sharks. Now I was there. I now, oh look at that! There you go. Now, over under, Jimmy Vc 0.5 goals. Over under Ryan Strom 0.5 goals, and over under Frank Vergara 0.5 goals. Nick. Okay, so Anaheim has looked awful. I only watched one of their games so far, but they looked absolutely horrendous, especially defensively. They've got a lot of new guys on that team still trying to iron out the kinks. 11 uh, goals Jim- against in two games. 11. Yes. yes, they have not played good defense. John Gibson, it might be time to go be a family man. We're, we're going to figure that out going Oof. forward. Hey, Andrew, when you're giving up that many, but uh, to your question, uh, VZ, no, I don't think... I've seen him have a good scoring chance yet in any of these three games. Uh, He's just kind of there, and that's fine for the third line, like we said before, as long as you're not conceding a ton. Um, I think Strom or Vetrano, I definitely think one of them. I'll say Vetrano just because he's he's a shoot-first guy where Strom is a little more of a facilitator. I'd say Strom under, VZ under, and Vetrano over. Because Vetrano, he had a nice goal the other night when I was watching them. He had an absolutely wicked goal the other night. So now, over under .5, Shots that Ryan Strom could have scored, but then missed the net on. Um, I, I don't. So Strom is gonna. Strom is their second line center. He's gonna be out there mostly against Fox and Lindgren, I would guess. Um, I'll give him over. I would say he dev- he misses one shot that probably should go in, based on how the Rangers have played defense and how that second line has played so far. I give him one. We joke about these things, but also like then we just you know we just we felt it as as Rangers fans that have watched Ryan Strom miss so many so many chances over the course of his Rangers career that you just you feel like he's gonna he's gonna have to continue that anti right you, you would have to you have to you have to guess that. Um, so this this speaks to exactly what I was just talking about about set data sets and sample sizes. We saw Ryan Strom on the Rangers for the better part of four and a half years. We know what type of player Ryan Strom is. He's an above average NHL player. He gets to good spots on the ice. He's not a great finisher. He's more of a facilitator and he definitely overthinks it. I still think about during the the pandemic pause in the summer of 2020, someone made fun of him and he went out into his driveway or whatever and shot yeah. five tennis balls into a goal in his driveway and then went back inside and said, I'm going back to playing Call of Duty now. He knows. It's yeah. not like this is an inside joke or anything. He knows. It's it's not the first time somebody has told them that, and I do I I actually was thinking about that as as you brought it up, so we're on the same page. But yeah, I mean, with Ryan Strom, it's he was fine 
he was he was not a bad player by any means. Like he was he and Panarin had good chemistry and they they played well off of each other. But ultimately, Vinny Trocek is a more physical player. But in term, but not just physical that that it ends up in nothing. He will go into the dirty areas more. He will. He's a stronger player. I, f- I feel like yeah, from from what I've seen, and I think he's a more offensively gifted player. So f- maybe don't give him that kind of ridiculous contract that the Rangers gave him. But that's I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a GM. So what do I know? But he's a better fit, I think, on the Rangers right now. And through three games, he has looked good as well. I, I think yeah. that's one of the things to keep in mind is when you when you're a player of that kind of caliber and you go to to a new team the expectations are high off of the beginning and so far. And it's, it's tough to meet those expectations early on as well, because again, you're in the new city, you're in a new structure, new environment, preseason or not, you're still going to have to take some time throughout the real games to, to, to figure out, okay, this is my groove. This is how I am. am comfortable in the, in the spots that I'm in. And through three games, Trocek has, has looked really good. And for Anaheim, as you talked about, 11 goals against in, in in the two games that they played. John Gibson has given up nine of them. Anthony Solars had to come in for the final two goals that the uh, Islanders scored, and he didn't really look good in either of those goals. So for the for the Ducks, it's really about can we just play well enough defense in front of in front of Gibson to prevent scoring chances? And through two games, that has not been the case. So. I would think the Rangers could score a few goals here because Shesterkin won't allow a whole lot, but I, I think the Rangers are going to win this one. I feel I feel like, I hope, right? That's that's the assumption. Okay, so the game's going to start in like 20 minutes after, about 20 minutes from now when we run this on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. I was looking ahead at the schedule while you were talking there. Over, under, half a tear shed for the David Quinn revenge game on Thursday. <laughs> Is that that game is at home, right? It, yes, it's, they're it's here in New York. Do you think? Do you? Oh, think, he's getting booed. He's getting booed. Of course, 100%. he's getting booed. Of course, of course. Over under 0.5 video tributes. Oh, hundred percent. You think so? The Rangers love to do the "we're a classy organization" thing. Aside from when Buchnevich came back from with the Blues, and they put a still picture up there for ten seconds, and that yeah. was it. But uh, the Rangers love to pretend that they're this, you know, this bastion of class in sports, like they're not just any other professional sports franchise. Okay, so how about how about this then? If they're if if the Sharks win that game for whatever reason, I mean, it's it's hockey. Weird things happen. Weird things happen. If if the Sharks win on Thursday, do you think we're gonna get a a, a great presser out of David Quinn following that game? What do you think? David Quinn can barely speak in complete sentences, so no, just probably not. No, he he gives some of the word. I mean, every coach gives awful answers, but yeah. him in particular was just like I get coach speak as a principal. You're trying to be diplomatic and not, you know, talk shit about your own team or the other team, but just absolute word salad. Just there are verbs and nouns in these sentences and some adjectives, <laughs> but they're not really amounting to anything. You're not really standing by your. Uh, Standing by your principles, David Quinn, most of the time when I hear you speak. Do you think we get a smirk out of David Quinn if the if the Sharks went on the? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. He's, he's, he's going to feel so good. That's going to be a Super Bowl. That's yeah. his Super Bowl. Is is for the Sharks to beat the Rangers? The it's, Flint Mega Bowl. Yeah, they the they might win fifteen games, but if two of them are against the Rangers, like that's a, that's a successful season out of out of the Sharks right. with the SMP, with with William Eklund, by the way, still sitting in San in with the Barracuda footer for reasons reasons 
We're going to get William Eklund out of there. We're going to get Marco Rossi out of Iowa. I got ideas. I got ideas. We're, we're gonna <laughs> you get know these what? Maybe, maybe you could be a head coach in the NHL or maybe even a, a general manager. Who knows? Maybe. I wouldn't be worse than Dave Haxtell. I would That's, not be worse than yeah. Dave Haxtell. Well, I would not be worse than Chuck Fletcher. I'll die on yeah. that. I'll die on that hill. Chuck Fletcher. <laughs> Chuck Fletcher. The Flyers are two and zero. Oh. Chuck what Fletcher. What the hell is going on, well, Andrew? They, well, they're gonna go 2-80. It's fine. But they like <laughs> Chuck Fletcher saying we. It, it was too hard to trade like JVR and 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 sign Goudreau or that to me. I mean. You know I, funny, the Andrew? fact the fact that he wasn't fired after he said that is is all you have to know about the Flyers. Yeah, they're two and zero right now, but like that's I, I wouldn't be surprised if they literally just went to an eighty the rest of the way. Like it's they're not a <laughs> they're not a good hockey team. I don't know if you watched any of Devils Flyers on Thursday before the Ranger game started, but I had it on because the Ranger started at seven thirty and that game started yeah. at seven. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll put it on in the meantime. ESPN was talking about John Tortorella like he was the Vince Lombardi of hockey coming in to change the culture well, of the Flyers. Because he, I get it, he worked there last yeah. year, but look, this guy He's won a Stanley teammate. Cup 18 to... years ago. He won a Stanley Cup when George W. Bush was president, and we're pretending that that like that really matters that much in 2022. Like, I get it. He's had decent turnarounds. He had the Blue Jackets go from awful to respectable. It ended horrendously in yep. Columbus. It always ends poorly i mean tortorella he's fine for a year or two and then after that it's the same thing with elaine vigneault it's fine for a year or two and then after that it goes downhill i mean i you had i, I during the pregame for devil's flyers they had an interview with cam atkinson who was like and they asked him what's different about tortorella versus last year he goes well last year was kind of a country club everybody came in and just kind of had fun and did whatever and i was like wow we're throwing people wow. under the bus wow yeah uh, Elaine, Elaine, what was going on? Speaking of the Flyers, how nuts is it that they went from a legitimate Stanley Cup President's Trophy team to Connor Bedard in two years? Because the bubble year, that was legitimately a President's Trophy Mm -hmm. Cup finalist type team. And in two years, they're in the Bedard sweepstakes. It's Chuck Fletcher. Like, it's it's funny to say. It's weird to say Uh, how, like... You you think a general manager of a of a pro team can't impact a roster that poorly in that short of a time, and yet Chuck Fletcher comes through the the wall like he's Kool Aid Man and says, "I'm here, baby. I'm here to do whatever you think I can't do." And he just destroyed the franchise from from the bottom up. The again, like his his idea of it's too hard to trade out contracts so he can't sign Johnny Gaudreau but then he turns around and signs D'Angelo to ridiculous contract Nick Delorier to some ridiculous contract like these these Don't bottom the six type extension. right exactly like you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't be like it's hard to trade contracts. Well, then don't sign players to these ridiculous contracts. Uh, again, I'm not a general manager in the NHL, so hey, what do I know? But I feel like maybe don't do these things. Like I like it's it's shouldn't be 500 level classes in, in college to just you know you have to be like so so far into this into this class to have an idea of what's going on. This is not rocket science. Chuck Fletcher I, I, could have could have had it both ways and said he's like, well, I gave Nick Delorier a trillion dollars. We can't sign Goudreau now, can we? What a I don't know. The Flyers I've are seen, they're bad. 
I've seen better roster constructions on Cap Friendly when you go to the create a roster tab. <laughs> I, I, re- I genuinely have seen better approaches to fixing the Flyers. Like, why'd they give Sandheim an extension? He's their one good asset. They should have turned him into a first-round pick from someone else. Well, Because they're probably going to end up trading Provorov, I know. But, like, you need assets. You gave up two picks for Tony D'Angelo, which didn't really make a lot of sense for a no. team that's rebuilt. You traded away Nolan Patrick and a draft pick for Ryan Ellis, who has played three games for your team in two years, who may not be coming back from what I understand, even though he got booed at the home opener, which not a great look. No, player don't do that. Career ending injury. Getting don't booed. do that. Well, Nolan Patrick also isn't playing either this season, which yeah, that trade was just, you know, uh, you, you think Ryan Ellis could still play, but Nolan Patrick, I mean, you, you got to You got to feel so bad for him. Just yeah. Injury after injury after injury from what was a promising career, and he just could never get it going. He has so many injuries. You just you just hope he can come back next season and and look at least marginally okay, just to continue his NHL career. Because man, it's the 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 bad luck he's had on the ice. It's you you don't want that. You don't want to see that ever. It's 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 tough. Yeah. All right, let's circle back to the Rangers, get out of here, get everybody ready for puck drop against the Ducks. So we got the Ducks today, Sharks Thursday, and Columbus on Sunday. What are you looking for in these three games looking ahead coming up? So these are three teams that aren't Stanley Cup contenders. What the Rangers have to do is pretend they are. Because if yes. you because if you go out on the ice and think, oh, these guys are are terrible. I thought they're bad, whatever. We can just skate by and win. You're going to go 0-3. At the end of the day, this is the NHL. And while your roster on paper should be a lot better than who you're playing, if you think that way, they are going to be. So for the Rangers, a lot of it has to do with how they play this week at five on five. Obviously, on the power play, they can score and, and all these things. But if you take mindless penalties, if you get frustrated and you take interference calls or roughing calls against these teams, they are going to score on the power play and you will lose games that you cannot lose it to the, the best teams beat the bad teams. That's how you get 50 wins. That's how you get 55 wins. You have to, you have to beat the bad teams. If you only beat the good teams and you lose to the bad teams, you're still going to be a middling team. It doesn't matter who like you only have to beat who is in front of you at that particular moment. So for the Rangers, a lot of it has to do with their mindset going into this week. They are playing three poor teams. They should win all three of them. Ideally, they should be at the end of this week, five and one. Whether that yep. will happen or not, I mean, obviously it remains to be seen, but they are, you have to start building up points and the buffer as soon as you possibly can. Because the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be. There's a, there's, the, the thing about like if you're in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving, more than likely you're going to stay in that playoff spot by the end of the season. They have to start stockpiling points now. It is not going to get easier. You're going to be you're not going to be facing Columbus and Anaheim and San Jose every single week. You're going to be facing the toughest teams in the NHL. You have to start beating bad teams right now. And you the Rangers have to fit have to one know that in advance and also just like again you you they can't go i think all three of these games are at home so it, yes. uh, you have to just one want to win in front of your fans obviously but two like you just pretend that they're just pretend that all three teams just won the cup pretend just they're they're phenomenal top to bottom and you have to do everything you can to beat them because if you don't think that way you're gonna lose 
So eight of their next 11 are home games, which advantage. Most of the teams they play, aside from Colorado coming in and Boston in two weeks, these are all pretty bad teams, to be honest with you. This, to your point about racking up points ahead of time now, you're sitting in a play- – I mean, we saw it last year. Everybody who was in a playoff spot by Thanksgiving stayed in a playoff spot, aside from the Ducks who fell out because they just you know fell off a cliff. The Red Wings – weren't as good as they were the first month of the season. That's all it takes, man. You get in a good spot now, and you're just trying to figure out where you are in the playoff seating. That's a good place to be. These are bad teams. You have days off, so you're going to get your A goalie in there all three of these games. You get to build yourself up. The hardest thing for the Rangers, in all honesty, is just being sharp after multiple off days. I, I know it's a hard thing to do when you're playing a team who's fresher, who's played more recently than you. It's just hard to get going again. You, you, you're a professional. You'll get there eventually. But a team that's played the night before against a team that's been off for a day or two, usually the team that's played the night before is a little bit more on on their step because they're fresher to the game. It's You would think it's a little counterintuitive that the team that's tired is a little bit more in the game, but they just played the day before. They were a little bit more ready than the team that's been off two or three days, which is, again, to what my point about the schedule makers in the first segment we were talking about. Why are there two off days between each of these games? <laughs> like, uh, especially like Tuesday, Fridays when the yeah. NFL isn't on. I get if you don't want to have Saturdays and Sundays when college and the NFL are on, but a Friday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, throw us a bone here. The schedule should make sense. It shouldn't be a disadvantage for some teams because with all these days off, that means the back end of the schedule is more compressed, which I don't know. How about an even schedule the whole way through? Uh, I, I feel like this shouldn't be that hard. I, I, I understand well, that there are people who do this for a living. The schedule matrix is a hard thing to do, but it shouldn't be four days off in September, September, October, when the teams really need them in March and April. Well, for, for it's it's a lot. It's it's difficult because yeah. for for teams like the Rangers, you have to be fighting with the Knicks yes. and concerts and shows and and everything that goes on at msg and a lot of the times the like this like the the schedule makers do the best and I, i'm not like defending i'm not trying to, no, I, no, 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 I, I like i i know i know them but like just the as as that as an aside it's just it's it's difficult for yeah. when when you have a venue that is being used for multiple things it is difficult to make a schedule that works the best for everybody involved. When you have a team like Winnipeg that is basically just the Jets and concerts here and there in between, maybe because even then, like a lot of a lot of touring artists don't really go up to Winnipeg because it's so up, uh, you know, in Canada where it's not near a lot of other major cities like Toronto, Montreal, Quebec, you know, all these things. It's it's harder to go up there as a touring artist. We have. A team like the Jets, where that don't have to battle for for space, it's a lot easier to make the schedule for them. Where if you're the Rangers, it's Rangers and Knicks and college basketball is going to be there sooner rather than later. And you have concerts. Concerts are like every every night in MSG. Pretty seemingly, much, yeah. there's a, there's a new there's a new thing going on there. So they have to build a schedule for the Rangers around everything going on in that arena. So. Clearly, like this is the best that they could have done for the team this upcoming season. So, I, I'm sure it's not great for the team, but like like I said, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to 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 juggle 19 different things. But for them, point you know, point given, it's like 
because the schedule is only going to get harder and there's going to be less time in between each game to catch your breath and 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 move on to the next one these games are really important to win the 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 more points you you stock up now and the and because especially now with these couple weeks coming up their opponents are pro- are pretty much going to be really bad for the most part if Aside you from win Boston and Colorado yeah if you win these games now you can afford to lose a tough game in February or in March or in one of these situations where you're just tired, you don't have a lot of energy, you're exhausted, and the puck just doesn't go your way, and the other team, you know, scores an extra goal that maybe they shouldn't have, and they win the game off of that. It's a lot easier to swallow that kind of loss when you've when you've stockpiled 8, 10, 12 points earlier on the season because you've had more days off to rest and you're also playing bad opponents. All right, let's do our three stars of the week and go home. I suggested this segment. It's very straightforward. We're each going to pick three guys who had a good week because we're a weekly show. I have Andrew's first in the slideshow, so Andrew's going to go first. He presented these three candidates to me yesterday. Andrew, the floor is yours. Zabinajad's look great. And and Panarin has been a dominant force, seemingly on both ends, because we talked about during the offseason where one of the red flags that the Rangers might have with Panarin is he's in the playoffs, especially against like Tampa Bay, where he did nothing pretty much defensively and just kind of did a lot of the same things offensively. Through these three games, both of those guys have looked dominant. They've looked uh, they've they've looked like they're involved whenever they're on the ice, whether it be on the offense, whether it be back checking defensively, breaking up passes, or they're they're doing a lot of the little things right and and it's obviously ended up on the score sheet. Zabinajad has four points. Panarin has six. They they've looked really good. Shurkin is just Shurkin. I mean, he's he's been excellent so far in the two games he started with against Tampa Bay. He's made a couple of good saves. Minnesota, he had to make some big saves. He's chesty, and he had a really good week so far. And those are my three stars. Yeah, uh, I only have one different. Uh, if it'll load, there we go. Yeah, I have Lafreniere over Shesterkin, mostly just because I'm very impressed with how Lafreniere's played. I expect Shesterkin to be one of the three best goalies in the league most nights. He's that good, as Andrew said. He's Shesterkin. Uh, Zabinijad had a rocket up his ass against Tampa Bay on Tuesday. He was absolutely everywhere in that game. Uh, Panarin has been good on both ends. Like Andrew was saying, he's been good at five on five, which a real concern last year. And Lafreniere is played as a nice compliment with Trocek and Panarin. And the thing we talked about before the season started, we talked about it with Sam last week when we recorded with him. And if you missed that episode, by the way, we did an episode with Sam Rosen, which if you haven't listened and or, and or watched, go back and listen because he was amazing. One of the things Sam talked about with us is the revolving door, the game of musical chairs on the right wing, because they had five right wings in training camp and they weren't really sure who was going to shake out where they started with Kraftsov on the second line, Kako on the first line and Luff was on the left on the third line with Heedle. Now Luff is up playing with, um, with Panarin and Trocek and he's, a facilitator. Lafferty at his best is going to be helping other people get better. His skating has looked sharper. He's got a better feel for the puck. Same thing with Kako. It's a confidence thing for these young guys. How often are they touching the puck? This is something I'm going to do at some point. It's an exercise in just how confident somebody is. When a player's having a good game, 
you notice them a lot more for the most part. They're usually around the puck or they're in control of the puck. It's one of the things I wrote about during Loft's rookie year for Gotham like two years ago now. Just when a guy isn't putting up stats on the stat sheet, you want to figure out why. And you start with the basics. How many times a game are they touching the puck? How many times a game are they completing a pass that's going to its intended target? How many shots are they generating? These are all things that go into the game score, the micro stat that Corey Schneider puts out, that Dom at the Athletic puts out, but they calculate it slightly differently. Just how involved are they in the flow of the game? And so far, Lafreniere's been outstanding at five on five. And we know he's going to be, that's all he's going to get because he's not getting it on that first power play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's tough to to argue with that as well. I mean, if if Shisterkin wasn't my top in in my top three, then Lafreniere would be up there as well. It's kind of semantics because again, as you said, everybody's Shisterkin, been good. Shisterkin's expectation is that he's one of the three stars of the week because he is that good. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, he's one of the best goalies in the NHL. He won the Vesna. Like he's he's he, he's Igor Shostrykin, right? So him being in the top three in, in in the three stars of the week shouldn't be a surprise. But to your point, Lafreniere has been phenomenal. And Hedl's looked really good. Kako yeah. has looked a lot stronger and more kind of decisive with the puck and where he's going to go with it. And Lafreniere has looked really good so far. It's they're all promising signs, and when we when we reconvene next week to talk, which hopefully the Rangers will be five and one at that point, because again of who they play, if they were playing Colorado or like other teams, it wouldn't be such a they have to win these three games. But for who they're playing, they, they really should win these three games. Like as as I said, the, the schedule doesn't get any easier. The 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 better you the more you stockpile points now, the easier it becomes later on. So they should win all these three games, and we should come back next Monday talk about a five and one New York Rangers team. All right, let's get the people out of here. Puck drops in about ten minutes from the time this stream is going to end. We're wrapping up at right about six fifty five. Go get a drink, glass of water. Go pour yourself a whiskey if that's your thing. Uh, I'll be at the Yankee game. Uh, I'll watch this Ranger game. Tuesday, so I know what I'm going to talk about with Andrew the following week, and try and micro, uh, try and dose, die. Excuse me, diagnose. Words are hard sometimes. English yeah. is a weird language. Well, you're not, you're not, you know, a head coach after uh, after a game. So <laughs> as long as you're, as long as you have to do that, you're you're fine. But at, but yes, follow Nick at Nick Zararis at Z A R I A R I S. I am at Chelny Andrew C H E L N E Y Andrew on Twitter. Again, the five five stars on our podcast and all these things like that really helps tell the algorithm like, hey, this is a show that you that new people should be interested in and people should be tuning into. It's really important. Subscribe on YouTube. Hit the like button on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, and and do all you know all the things that YouTubers tell people to do on every one of their videos. It's really important. It helps us out as well. And also, like, it just tells us that you are liking the show. So it's it's the more the more you do that, the more we know that we're on the right path and. And we're doing the right things here. So we appreciate all the support and we will talk to you next week.